everyone, this is Larry from WSTrades.com. This podcast is about trading stocks and stock options. Any information in these podcasts should not be construed as advice. It's for educational and entertainment purposes only. We are not financial advisors. Hey everyone, this is Larry and James from WSTrades.com doing our weekly update podcast. How are you doing, James? I'm doing pretty good, man. How are you? Good. Had a pretty crappy week, but I guess we'll go over that in a minute. So you want to run this thing off and tell us how your week went? Yeah, it was pretty good. I It was the uh, week for the May monthlies, so I had a bunch of trades lined up. I'd been placing trades for a good month or so uh, for May, and all of those expired this past Friday. I ended up getting 23 total trades on, so I was able to trade uh, spreads and iron condors on 23 separate tickers, um, which was pretty good. So I got some pretty good diversity in there. Um, 18 of those trades were max profit. I had three of those trades go max loss, and then uh, two other ones went uh, partial loss. So I think that's about 77% or so win rate. So I did pretty good on it. The probabilities kind of played out. Um, so I think I made like a, overall about a 3 or a 4% return for the month, which isn't too bad. If I can do that every month, um, I'll be happy. So yeah, it ended up being a pretty good week for me. I also got into... Um, couple new trades. I think I was already long the MNQ, the micro NASDAQ futures. So I don't think that was a new trade, but I'm still in that trade. And um, I'm up right now on it. Let me see. Like 150 bucks right now. So it's doing pretty good. There was a little bit of a sell-off after I went long. So things dipped a little bit, but people bought it up and kind of drove it up to 13.4 right now. So it's trading at 13.407. So that trade is looking pretty good as it sits right now. And then another trade that I got into um, was space. So I didn't realize they were planning, well, they may not have announced it actually, but I saw space trading in the 16s and the 17s. And I was like, oh, it looks like a pretty good price for them because they recently were trading at like 60 bucks a share before they had a big sell-off. So when I saw their price down in the 16s, I was like, oh man, I'll, you know, go long at that price. And, uh, you know, I think their multi-year low is like nine, which was during like the Corona crash or something. So I felt like 16 was a pretty good price. So I bought a hundred shares. And then I think like the next day they announced that they were going to um, run a test flight. I was like, oh, great. You know, if it goes well, then this will work out well for me. But, you know, if they have issues like they did last time in December, you know, I'm probably going to be at a loss pretty quick. But um, they were able to successfully launch. And I know you and I were talking about this, and a lot of people are saying, you know, it's a good time to go long on space. Um, So I'm kind of hoping there's some good buying tomorrow, and they kind of pop off. 
So that was a trade I got into. I'm already up like 450 bucks on it right now because I bought in at 16 and they're trading at 21 right now. So um, people were buying before, like once they announced that test flight was coming up, a bunch of people bought in and kind of drove it up. So um, yeah, kind of hoping tomorrow that that thing pops off and becomes even more profitable. Nice. Yeah, we were... Um... I know we, uh, during the Corona crash, we played space a lot and it was, they were always so dang volatile. It was good to you know, be playing options if you, you know, picked it right at least. And then I didn't know they had any sort of test flight or anything either. But, uh, after you told me you had went long on them and we were talking about the test flight, I looked up the short and what are they like? Uh, is it 20 or 30% short of float? It's pretty high because I remember before I, I think bought the shares, I want to say they had like 25 million shares shorted or something like that. And then you had mentioned that, uh, short interest was pretty high. And I went back and looked and I'm like, oh man, they're up to like 33.5 million shares shorted. So yeah, it definitely ran up. Like you were saying, I think a lot of people shorted them before this test flight, but then a lot of people bought you know, some shares as well. So the short in interest kind of creeped up, but um, a bunch of buyers stepped in as well. So yeah, I'd love to see like a massive uh, short squeeze and a bunch of those uh, short sellers have to cover tomorrow. Yeah, that definitely wouldn't surprise me, especially with them doing the test on the weekend, you know, when you can't trade. And I guarantee there was a bunch of people that, you know, assumed that something was going to go wrong with their test flight like last time and they were just shorting it going into the weekend knowing that they were going to you know have the test flight and you know lo and behold it went great so that'd be great for you if you know because you got in earlier if they had a massive squeeze on monday yeah i totally wasn't playing the you know any of the news on that stuff luckily i had got in early and then yeah they had the successful test flight so yeah all those uh, short sellers probably would have been really happy if uh you know they weren't able to launch or something so <laughs> i may have uh just lucked out and you know got in at a good price and then yeah let's see what happens from here nice all right yeah i didn't have a whole lot of stuff going on last week um I've been holding Walmart shares for a while just because I knew they had earnings coming up. And uh, after Amazon reported, I think they had like 40% increase in revenue. I knew that, you know, Walmart was going to have some crazy numbers as well because, you know, especially during the Corona crash, it was where else was anyone shopping besides Walmart, Target, and uh, Amazon. So I, uh, they ended up popping pretty hard off of the uh, their earnings and I sold my shares uh, what else happened last week? Let, oh, I was able to roll my, I still have my uh, poor man's covered call on Neo. And on Thursday, I rolled from this week's expiration into next week's and collected another $40 of uh, credit on them. Uh, FSR that I'm finally out of the play that I've been rolling for like a month and a half. Uh, saved myself a couple bucks and instead of, you know, the $200 max loss that it was going to be uh when they had that massive run-up after their earnings and um whatever news they had oh some sort of contract in europe or something uh the volatility kind of spiked and i was able to get out save myself uh 28 bucks 
So, you know, whatever, I'm finally out of it and I'm, <laughs> I'm done. I'm going to wait for them to actually give me a signal to get back in before I do. Uh, Snap, so Snap started off a few weeks ago. I opened a put credit spread on them and they had, uh, they ended up just dying super hard with all the tech stocks and I turned it into an iron condor. And on Wednesday, I believe they were still kind of dying. I, I want to say my puts were in the money. And I was able to close out the call side for a 50% profit. And then the uh, put um, the put spread expired this week. And it expired out of the money. So I went max profit on that. And the only other play I had was my paper hands play that I told you about. And that was on QQQ where I bought a uh, put credit spread and I was just looking at the charts and I was like, Oh man, QQQ is going to die today. So I bought a one day to expiration spread on them. And as soon as I woke up on Friday, QQQ was just cooking. The NASDAQ was cooking. I was like, ah, crap, I was wrong on this one. So I closed it out for a uh, $20 loss. And had I just gone with my gut and you know, what I thought was going to happen happened exactly right and i would have made i think it's like 57 dollars instead of losing 20 dollars. but you know i got spooked out of my own trade because i didn't trust myself so yeah that's a nice lesson yeah man i know we were talking about that because i think thursday was the two percent rip on the nasdaq and yeah we were both thinking the same thing like uh you know this thing's probably going to pull back a little bit tomorrow after a two percent gain and uh yeah, sometimes stuff just kind of stays afloat a little bit, and then eventually people want to take their profit. So, yeah, man, I've been there and done that, trying to make those, you know, purely directional trades, and especially, like, the shorter-term ones. Those are the hard ones for me as well. Like, I'm just terrible track record on, you know, any kind of one day or two day the expiration even on some of the weeklies it can be kind of tough so yeah man been there know how that feels well it was just stupid because i was exactly right i want to say they ended up what did they close at like 327 uh, or something yeah or even 326 something it, so yeah you definitely uh there was a little bit of buffer in there for sure and uh yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, pull back. I just spooked myself like an idiot. Like I, I've been looking at NQ a lot and seeing like looking at all the trend lines and moving averages and everything. So I was confident with it, but not confident enough to keep the trade on, which was stupid. It was only, you know, 40, I think I bought it for 46 bucks. So I should have just gone with my gut, but you know, it just happened to me more times than I'd like to admit, you know, not sticking with a trade that I, you know, think is going to work out well and just screwing myself. Yeah, it's uh, definitely the right call. And I bet next time the NASDAQ rips 2 to 3% in a day, you're going to put that trade on and just let it ride and then walk away with max profit for sure. No, no because knowing my luck, I'm going to put the trade on and that's going to be the day that they just, you know, for a week straight, they rip like 3% a day. It's <laughs> yeah. usually how the NASDAQ does it, man. <laughs> I have a feeling they're getting into our emails or, or listening to this podcast and like, ah, crap, those WS Trades dudes are doing it again. Everything die. 
Right. Yeah, I think the market just does the opposite of what we think it's going to do. <laughs> <laughs> we should do a podcast where we're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to short the NASDAQ and just secretly just buy, you know, in queue calls. Exactly. Maybe that'll do it. <laughs> All right, man. So you wanted to go over moving averages this week? Yeah, I know we were talking a little bit about it. I think you were looking to maybe get some videos up on the YouTube channel about it. So I thought it would be a good thing to talk about it here as well. Um, so yeah, I know a lot of traders will use moving averages uh, as one of their technical indicators to try to figure out you know, when to go long on something or maybe when to go short on something. And uh, I know I always have a moving average up on my chart and I believe it's the 21 exponential. Yeah, that's the one I always kind of keep up there. Um, I know we were talking about uh, other ones as well. Some people are using like the simple moving average. Some use the exponential um, and just different kind of time frames. I've seen like the nine day used a lot. Uh, 21. I think you use the 21 a lot as well. Um, I've seen even like, I want to say like 34. And then for the real, real long term or more long term stuff, I think we've seen the 200 used a lot. Um, so yeah, it's just really kind of showing you the trend in the price action. And it's just calculating like different data points related to the price and kind of averaging those and smoothing them out. So when you kind of look at the you know, the price action on a chart and you throw one of those moving averages on there, you'll kind of see more of the smooth curve kind, kind of showing you what the price is doing and, you know, what the trend of the price is. Um, I know the simple moving average is kind of using like, uh, or giving the same weight to all of the data points that are being factored in, but the exponential gives a little more weight to the more recent data points or price value that it's using. So that's kind of the difference between the exponential and the simple. But um, I know that sometimes you can throw a single moving average, whether it's like the simple or the exponential. And let's just say you throw like the 21 day on the chart. Sometimes you'll see the price of the stock or ETF or whatever you're looking at, sometimes it'll kind of play off of that moving average and kind of use it as support or resistance. And I want to say recently, maybe you were talking about NQ. If I'm not mistaken, maybe playing off of the 20, maybe it was playing off of the 21. Yeah, they were trading. I can pull it up right now, but they were trading below it on the uh daily and then i believe on the weekly they were staying above it let me see but yeah, oh, yeah. Um, well that's why i use the 21 is i think the 20 and 21 are used a lot because that's there's 20 or 21 uh trading days in a month so if you use those then that's and you're on a daily chart mm -hmm. then you know that's the average within you know one month yeah, that line. So you can kind of see it. So I think that kind of comes into play a lot. That's, you know, that's the main reason I use it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. I'm looking at, I mean, the cues, which is, you know, related. But uh, yeah, I'm looking at the weekly right now and I can kind of see that. Um, 
I guess this would have been for last week that it the price closed above that. Uh, switch over to the daily here. Yeah, you see the daily, it's right below it. If you're looking at in, are you looking at the yeah. futures, NASDAQ futures? I'm looking at the queues, but it's reading the same thing. Yeah, if you look at the one day, it actually the price closed below that. So yeah, I see that same difference on the queues as well. Yeah, so it's like we're gonna. I I feel like we'll see some major rippage if the daily can finish above the twenty one as well as the weekly. I don't think we're quite in deep crap with uh, tech stocks if NQ. Mm -hmm on the weekly can finish can stay above that 21 if it finishes below that then look out below but you know just it's not pushing above that on the the daily yet so i'm still not like i feel like there's going to be a lot of chop going on on uh nasdaq for a while until it can you know figure out where the heck it's going yeah that's a good point looking at the multiple time frames if you can get both of those closing above that then yeah that i would agree that that's looking like some green days ahead so that's one way you know you can use the moving average if you want to throw it on your chart and you know sometimes it'll be acting like some kind of support or resistance and then i know a lot of times as well and i've used this in the past sometimes you'll throw like multiple moving averages up you can do like a shorter term like the 21 and then you could also throw up like a longer term like a 200 or you know whatever you want whatever you feel comfortable with, but um, a lot of people will trade off of a crossover. So when like a shorter term moving average, like say the 21 crosses above a longer term, like the 200, some people will use that as a sign of like, you know, uh, more of a bullish, if that short term crosses over the long term, they'll be like, okay, this is a point where, you know, I'm gonna go long on something and then you know, it could be the opposite if something has been popping off for a while and then that shorter term moving average falls below the longer term. So that's another way you can use moving averages to signal like entry or exit or, you know, when to go long and when to go short. Yeah, definitely. I know a lot of people <clears throat> trade off of crossovers, like you're saying. Um, and there's that's the... I guess the hard thing about trading is you don't know what other people are, you know, looking at. And especially if you're, they're using, um, moving averages is you can get a totally different signal, like a buy signal. If you're going to use like, uh, when the 20 crosses the 50, that's a go long signal. You know, the institutions might be using when the 50 crosses the 200. Mm -hmm. So it's, that's why I have multiple, um, moving averages on my chart is so that I can kind of see, okay, what is this thing trading off of? Is this thing, you know, is the 50 acting like support is the 20 is the nine, you know, what is it? And it's, you can look at different, um, different underlyings and you'll see a lot of them trade off of different moving averages. And it's, it's really weird to see if you have them all pulled up mm -hmm. that, each stock is completely different, but they all respect some sort of line at some point. So you can't say like I use the 21, but a lot of stuff doesn't trade off of the 21. Like a, a lot of stuff will trade off of uh, the five perfectly. It'll trade off of the 50 perfectly. And you just have to be able to identify that. Like the stuff I go mostly on 
uh, either long or short is something trading off of the 21 because of the time frame that I use and just my trading style is, you know, I'm going off of that 21. So if it's not trading off of the 21, then I'm probably not going to get into the trade unless I can clearly identify, you know, like I said, if it's trading off of the 50 or, you know, whatever, I may get into it. But it's if you have multiple um, moving averages on your chart, it's kind of it's just like drawing um, trend lines on stuff. It's weird to see how price action respects these lines. And it's just because other traders, you know, are looking at the same thing and they're like, okay, it's about to hit, you know, the 20 uh, moving average and then it's going to bounce off. So they go long and then that, you know, shoots the price back up. It's just, you know, what other traders, you always have to think, what are other traders doing? Because, you know, you and me going long or short something isn't going to do anything. It's when a either big institution or a lot of little dudes are doing the same thing that it's going to, you know, a price is going to respect something. So you just have to always think, what are other traders doing? Because, you know, our little piddly nickels and dimes aren't going to, you know, change the market at all. So you got to think about what everyone else is doing. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. Trying to figure out like the buyer and seller psychology, if you will, and like figure out what everybody's thinking. Like, do they think NASDAQ is worth 13,000 or do they think NASDAQ is worth, you know, 12, five. And then you'll see, like you're saying, you'll see it um, on the chart. And, you know, the 21 is a good example because I'm looking at the, in Q futures right now and boy it plays a lot off of that 21 like um i'm looking back in november and it was just kind of using that from november all the way up until february um it just played that 21 so it kind of popped up sold off touched the 21 popped up sold off so it's really respecting that there's a little bit of a fake out uh, in January, late January, early February, where there was a massive uh, sell off candle. And then the next one was a bullish engulf. So I bet some people probably got faked out on that one, thinking the NASDAQ was going to die. But for the most part, it's just respecting that thing for like a long time. So, um, and then come. February 22nd is when we had a fat sell-off candle and it closed way below the 21 and then that was it. Like that was the uh, last big sell-off that we had. I think it was like a 1700 point pullback. But um, yeah, just having this 21 on the chart and realizing like you're saying that, hey, NQ or the Qs is really playing off of the 21. Once it closed below that, that's your great signal to go short because once that happened, I mean, this is a, 13 to a thousand point pullback once that happened. So, I mean, everybody probably saw that as well. And they all just realized it's time to short. And yeah, if you would have went short right there, I mean, that's a thousand points. So, um, and then it kind of recovered a little bit, kind of went up and played around the 21 again. And then once it broke above and closed above uh, the 21 with a couple green candles, bam, that was a great time to go long again. And you're looking at a good, seven eight hundred point rip so um yeah i think like you're saying identifying what moving average the ticker is playing off of that can really help you to 
make smarter trades. Yeah, and the ones that I use are strictly, I don't want to say nonsensical, but uh, <laughs> I use them because they're the Fibonacci numbers. Mm-hmm. And it's just like instead of the uh, 20 moving average, it's the 21 because that's a Fibonacci number. Instead of the 50, it's 55 because that's a Fibonacci number. And this mm-hmm. is all uh, just kind of reading some of uh, John Carter's stuff. And I primarily I trade a lot like him. There's some stuff that he does that, you know, I don't do. But there's a lot of stuff that he does do that I like. So um, that's one of the things. And like we were talking about is uh, trying to identify what uh, what other traders are doing. That's one of the things that like, well, two things. First off, Fibonacci numbers. And, you know, you can say, oh, yeah, well, it, it happens in nature and all that stuff. So, you know, it's definitely going to happen on in the stock market. No, it's not. It's happening because there are a lot of traders that are looking at Fibonacci numbers and trading off of those numbers. It's not some magical number. It's because there's a bunch of people like TD Ameritrade. You go into the drawing tools and they have Fibonacci tools that you can draw. So <laughs> a lot of people draw the tools on there and you know, they play off of that. Uh, the other thing is futures. I hate index futures. They make zero sense to me why they should dictate where the market's going. It, I, I oh my God, I'm going to go on another freaking Tesla rant right now. It, <laughs> why? Because someone's gambling saying, oh, I think uh is going down, so I'm going to short it. Why is Tesla going to, you know, drop two percent tomorrow because of that it makes no sense like what did tesla do there's no news on tesla but hey you know some future trader just shorted the crap out of uh in queue so yeah tesla's going down tomorrow (laughs) yeah that's a good point it's like the future contract value or what people see happening doesn't mean that tesla had a recall and like (laughs) the value of their stock should actually go down yeah that's a a really good point yeah that's something that and you know i trade it obviously i like you know trading the cues but it's just ridiculous i you know i just don't like thinking i don't like thinking about the mindset of it i just like looking at the charts and playing off of that yeah that's a that's a good point like you're talking about the fibonacci uh, lines and all that stuff that you draw on the chart and then all of the other stuff too like a lot of times i feel people are just playing off of those trend lines and those support and resistance levels Uh, they may not actually think that have any thought at all that like fisker is worth 10 bucks or i think fisker is worth 15 bucks right now they're just playing off of some line on a chart exactly like price level i totally get like mm-hmm. I could see, like if you pull up, like you say, Fisker, if mm-hmm. I'm looking at Fisker's chart and I'm, you know, saying, oh, well, dude, they got an SUV coming out next year and mm-hmm. this and that, this would be a great value for a stock. Right, right. But it's, there's so much, so much, if you're a trader and not an investor, there's yeah. so much dumb crap that goes on where, oh <laughs> man, it went under this moving average or, you know, this trend line just got broken. So we got to short the hell out of it. And it makes zero sense. Like, I I could never do it, but I think fundamental traders have the best uh, trading strategy because they're looking at numbers like, okay, they sold this many vehicles. 
right. they have this in the works. They're thinking about actual numbers, whereas traders like me, technical traders, are just looking at lines and we're like, oh man, it just <laughs> it broke that moving average. Time to go long, and it and it makes no sense. It only makes sense because other people think it makes sense. So you know that's how the market works. But hey, as long as we're making money, whatever. Yeah, that's a good point. Because uh, I I catch myself doing that too. Not that I'm really looking at a lot of the fundamentals, but I catch myself like looking at pricing a lot. And I did it on Fisker when they dipped below ten. I was like, man, I'll pay, I'll pay nine something for Fisker. You know, I'm gonna go long here. And I wasn't looking at any kind of lines and then kind of the same thing on space. Well, I guess I was looking at the chart, like price action and stuff. And I, same thing on space. I was like, man, they were up at 60 way overpriced for, you know, what they're actually doing and their revenue, which is like hardly anything. I think I saw in their recent earnings, they had like $250,000 or something in revenue, which is like nothing, but seeing them way up at 60 and then down at 16 i'm like i'll i'll take a chance on them at 16 you know i'm not going to go out and pay 60 for them right now because they haven't even taken one person to space yet you know but uh i kind of find myself doing that a lot where i'm not really using the technicals and i'm more looking at the price and like okay that seems like a cheap price for this company i'm going to enter here and then uh yeah, all the people trading off of the you know technicals and stuff are really controlling, <laughs> controlling the price action. Yeah, and I think we're going to get more into a lot of technical trading coming up because, like, after the Corona crash, it was just you know buy buy buy. It was just easy as hell to trade. Like, if you <laughs> traded through, if you you know didn't blow yourself up during the crash. If you were able to trade, you know, the rebound, it was just everything to the moon. And right now, I think everything's overpriced. Like this pullback that we've been having, especially like on um, NQ, I don't think it's enough. I think everything is so ridiculously overpriced right now. I think we should see more of a sell-off. And I think a lot of technicals are going to start coming into play. Yeah, I mean, the late... Uh... The other sell-off we had back in February, I think it was, that was like a 1,700-point dump. That was a massive dump. I remember looking at NASDAQ. It was at like 12.2, the futures, and I was like, damn, man, dude, this is ugly. Like, we were talking about it because we were just watching it sell and sell and sell, and we're like, man, is 12,000 going to hold? <laughs> it looked like it was going into the 11s. And then finally some buyers stepped in and it kind of popped off. But um, yeah, it's uh, like you're saying right now, kind of looking at NQ, you kind of see more consolidation going on um, since like early February, honestly, because it ran up. I'm looking at the queues right now, but it kind of ran up near the high. And then we had that big sell off and then it ramped right back up and came to about the same level, hung out there for a little bit. And now we're sell, you know, we sold off again. So, um, yeah, definitely in like normal market conditions, you have to, you know, be more technical for sure. I I think during that uh, Corona recovery, when things just blasted off, um, I want to say that's where like, wasn't it Portnoy was saying like, oh, this is like easy money, right? I can make, <laughs> you know, 
ton of money up. I could just on airline stocks or I don't know what he was talking about, but I saw some stories and it's just like, well, yeah, man, everything's just ripping because it just dumped 30%. Like anybody going long right now is going to think they got this thing figured out. But then I think later on, uh, it wasn't as easy. Yeah. When things turned back, you know, no, actually they didn't even turn normal. It was the Corona crash was so weird, man, because Everything sold off, which I get. Like every everything was shut down. Literally, the world shut down. So yeah, revenue is going to be in the dirt for most people. Like Party City, where they traded at like fifty cents a share at one point. Yeah, yeah. Well, they weren't making any money. No one was allowed to have parties. They weren't selling crap. So I get it. But then the rebound was the ridiculous part. And where we are right now, like I get, you know, everything's kind of opening up and. Uh, hopefully we get back to normal and stuff, but it just, the rebound was so explosive. I feel like it was too much and we're still just, you know, overbought. So I'd, I'd like to see a correction still from where we're at. And I know like looking at the charts, it's not super overbought, but I just feel like a lot of stuff is just way overpriced right now. I think there's stuff too, like Tesla is like always overpriced. And just like keeps going up somehow. Um, but yeah, like also like real estate right now is like still going bananas, I think. And uh, that's another one that just I'm not really seeing it. And I'm kind of waiting for the, you know, the bottom to fall out because I mean, that's that can't go forever. Two and, years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everyone, everyone. <laughs> Put this on your calendar. Larry from WS Trades says two years. I mean, eventually, yeah, it's got to, I mean, it's just been insane, like the real estate prices. And yeah, it just makes you wonder when it's all going to fall. Yeah, and it it has to at some point, but it's like just keeping, kicking the can down the road, man. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone just keeps kicking it down the road, but it's got to come through sometime. Yeah, it's kind of weird because like home values benefited greatly from the corona crash it's like the stock market tanked and like real estate just i don't know at least like you know detached homes and stuff uh, condos and things of that nature might be a little different but actual just normal houses my goodness like the corona pandemic just kind of fueled that and it's like it just can't you know the price is moving up that fast it just it can't sustain. So uh, well, we're, we're talking about DRV there recently. I still need to pick some of that up because that's, I mean, what is that trading at now? And we're talking about, I think it was like six bucks. Five bucks. Let me see. I have 590 or yeah, six bucks. So got to pick some of that up. <laughs> wow. Yeah, dude, you, well, you know where I live. You've been here before. Mm-hmm. My neighbor put their house up for sale. And I don't live in like a fancy, uh, a big city or anything like that, or fancy neighborhood. They got an offer for over half a million dollars for their, I I want to say it's like less than 2,000 square foot house. Wow. It, it, where I live, man. It's so That's, ridiculous. Yeah, this is just, man, it's hard to, it's hard to believe. Unless like the government is just going to extend mortgage forbearances maybe that could drag it out a little longer but like eventually like something's gonna happen so yeah i totally forgot about that and i'm gonna put some money into drv because drv is like 
dirt cheap right now. And I remember when the crash first happened, it popped up to like 71. But I think that would be some cheap insurance to go out and grab some DRV and just wait. Oh, definitely. Because what were they trading at their high during the uh, 08 crash? Like, oh, it three was grand or something. It was oh, something man. stupid high. It, it was more insane than that. I want to say it was like eight hundred thousand or something. Let me see. I'm pulling oh, it up. No, it was it was outrageous, man. Oh wait, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, thirty one thousand. It may wow. have been a different chart I was looking at. Well, that only goes back to July seventeenth. Oh, man, I can't see any further back on the chart, but I could have swore I saw numbers higher than that. But I also wonder if it was something to do with the readout on the mobile app. Because I have a feeling the mobile thinkorswim kind of throws some weird stuff up there. But let me see here. Because I've got 20... Wait, no, here's the 20-year week chart. Yeah, because when I go on the... No, that's right. Yeah, 32,000. Yep. <laughs> so could you imagine buying that for six bucks and then two <laughs> grand a share <laughs> it's like better than GameStop oh we need to go oh, over on Wall Street bets yes. and start pumping this <laughs> yeah you know and it's like six bucks so all of the people on you know anybody you know can go out and buy DRV it's only six bucks a share so yeah WSB come on <laughs> let's, let's do this once the Real estate market starts to tick down a little bit. Let's go. ERV <laughs> 32,000. <laughs> no, we're not stopping there. Wall Street bets, guys, don't mess around. We're going to a million a share. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pick up my shares right now at six bucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Uh, did you have any trades you were looking at getting into next week? Um, yeah, I did have, you know, I've been doing so good. I've been doing this. Uh, you know, my neutral plays and stuff, just my high probability stuff since February. And it's just been working out so good month by month that I'm just going to keep playing the same uh, tickers. So let me see. I'm already getting on some July positions. So look at EWZ. Okay. So I'm probably going to look at this coming week, FXI. I think that's the China large cap uh, index. Uh, GLD. Probably put another play on ICLN and probably IWM. So definitely be looking at some of those tickers this coming week and uh, just getting those on for the July monthly contracts. Nice. Uh, yeah, I just pulled up a couple tickers that I was looking at. I've got a couple bearish tickers. Uh, OKTA, which I don't even know what they do. And I was thinking about it on the way you know, driving home today that a lot of the stuff that I trade, I have no idea what the companies are. And because I'm a technical trader, I'm looking at the charts. So, you know, I could be trading some weird, obscure <laughs> companies that I honestly have no clue what the heck they do. But if the charts, you know, telling me something's going to happen, then, you know, it is what it is. Um, so I was bearish on that one. Also, L-I-T-E, bearish on that. And then one of them uh, kind of bullish on is HPE, and I uh, still own shares of them. So, you know, I'm not trying to trying to pump it up like Wall Street bet dudes. I'm just saying <laughs> I'm looking at the chart, and I believe they have earnings soon. And uh, it's looking pretty, pretty nice to me to go along. 
So I might actually pick up some more shares. Yeah, I'm looking at them. For whatever reason, I had the uh, weekly chart up right now um, on HPE. I guess it's a three-year weekly chart. But um, yeah, I don't see any earnings recently. So yeah, that must be like happening now just based on the frequency of the earnings that are showing at the bottom. It looks like they, on the weekly, they are pretty far extended from the, uh, the 21 EMA. Oh, they God, kind of, yeah. They're, they kind of been yeah, they're just living at that 2 ATR. Yeah, so they're kind of pulled far away from that. But man, when they sold off, they were under that for a while. And then, I guess, November is when they really started to pop and made that move over the 21. Yeah, on the daily, they're kind of playing above it right now. You've got a couple of dojis where price action, they tried to crush this thing like uh, Wednesday and Thursday, and then Friday they finished perfectly above that 21. So looking pretty good to me. Yeah, definitely on the shorter term, they they did not, like you're saying... There's like back-to-back dojis. They're not, the buyers aren't allowing it to go under that 21. So, yeah, that's all I had, man. Cool. Uh, did uh, you have anything else you want to go over? Um, no, I think that's all I had. Okay, I have a little bit of website news. Uh, I started converting the images to, um, I believe it's called WebP, I don't remember what the uh, what the image files are, but I was noticing I was kind of scrolling around and things seemed kind of sluggish on it. So, trying to do some things to kind of speed it up, and also I'm working on some new scanners. And as soon as I get them, I'll send them over to you. I was thinking about something and um, where if you're trading a certain stock or whatever, I wanted to know how that whole sector was doing. So I need to, it's going to take me a minute to get some stuff going, but like, uh, say I want a scanner that looks at a retail ETF and how that's doing. And then I can pull the data from that. You know, if, you know, say the retail ETF is up 1% or whatever, then I can find what stocks, you know, like a target, a Walmart, you know, whatever, uh, have that involved in in that scanner and see if they're doing, you know, trading about the same or if there's something that's, you know, like a, a Ross or whatever that they're eating crap. So I wouldn't want to go long them, but knowing that, you know, the retail in general as a sector is going good, you know, then, and Walmart or target is going good. So, you know, I could go long either one of those, but yeah, it's going to be kind of a pain in the butt, but let me get those scanners figured out and get them on the website. Yeah, that does sound interesting. Like if you see how the sector is doing and compare that to a particular ticker within that within that sector, that could tell you something that's like outperforming the sector maybe. That sounds interesting. Yeah, well, just as long as it's going with the sector. You know what I mean? Like if I, if I was looking at going long something, uh, say like an oil company, and I didn't know how the sector in general was going, but somehow, you know, this one stock was telling me, you know, this is a good signal to go long, but 
that I didn't know how oil, the whole sector was going. Say they were, you know, oil in general was down 3%, but this yeah. one company is up 1%. And I'm like, oh man, I'm going to go long. Mm-hmm. Then it doesn't make sense to go long that company. If every other oil company's, you know, eating it right now, then there's no reason why this company's, you know, doing good. So I should, you know, stay away from that. So it's kind of why I want to filter out and know what's kind of, you know, got the back to their wins and they're trading with, you know, you know, whatever sector it is. I got you. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, man. Did you have anything else? Nope. That's all for me. All right. Thank you guys for listening. I'll catch you later, James. Catch you later, man. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode of the WS Trades podcast. If you are not subscribed to this podcast, please subscribe. Also head over to YouTube and search for WS Trades. You'll find us there as well. We've got trading updates as we make our trades over there and also educational videos. You can learn about different strategies within the stock market and options trading. And also please head over to WSTrades.com. Thanks again.